The Providence Journal presents Nick and Bob, the college basketball podcast for Rhode Island and around the nation with your hosts, Kevin McNamara and Bill Koch. Hello and welcome to the Providence Journal's Pick and Pop podcast. This is Kevin McNamara here in Providence. I have uh, two true all-stars by my side. Actually, three. Uh, We have to give our always important shout-out to our man Whitman who controls the keyboards here today and makes sure that everything sounds good. Uh, Bill Koch. Bill, say hello. Nice to see you again. Hello, everyone. And we have a special guest star with Mr. William Reynolds. Nice to see you. Yes. We're going to hit a little bit. We're going to bounce around a little bit with uh, local and national college basketball, our weekly look. We're going to start with uh, a look back at Saturday's uh, Providence URI game which, uh, needless to say, was just an outstanding atmosphere down at the Ryan Center. No surprise for anyone who's been fortunate enough to see that PCURI game over the years down in Kingston. And, uh, you know, the game, I, I, I think the game showed us uh, quite a bit about both teams. Number one, Rhode Island uh, continues to play really tough physical defense. And that, in the end of the day, that ended up... Uh, being the key with Providence turning the ball over 21 times, but just a little bit. I know Billy, uh, Billy. I'm going to say Billy and Bill, uh, but Billy, you wrote a little bit about this on Tuesday. Um, you know, needless to say, the scene, uh, the game, uh, the intensity of the game is, is just such a. It stands out like a sore thumb here in uh, December. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's funny because um, you know, I hearken back. They used to play twice a year, and. Um, there's no reason, I think, not to play twice a year. I know they're never going to do it. But when you walk into one of those games, it is, it's, it's, so, it's so different from most of those um, non-league games, in, like in November and December. It's, it's, it's staggering how different it is. And uh, your take on the Rams? I think the Rams are, are obviously, they're good. They're a good team. They're really gritty. They, they, they play. It, they are a, it's like... If Danny Hurley was going to play, they reflect the way he plays, if that makes any sense, that he would have played. They are tough. They are gritty. They come at you. They're not going to quit. Um, and that's I mean, this is the kind of team that Hurley has been waiting for ever since he got, like he got here. He's created a culture there, and this team totally reflects that culture. Yeah, I think the big takeaway for me, and it was a line that, uh, Bill, you used in your column following the game, um, was that if you didn't know any better, it could have been Duke. Uh, that's how good the Ryan Center was on Saturday. And, uh, I remember leaning over to you probably midway through the first half, and I said, if the Ryan Center was like this every night, you or I would never lose a home game ever, 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 ever again. It was fantastic. It rivaled just about anything that you would see anywhere in college basketball. And I think two things happened in that game. First, you or I channeled that passion, like you said, from their coach, from their crowd, uh, from the fact that they hadn't won the game in so long. Um, you know, they channeled that into the way they played. And secondly, you could see it very clearly midway through the first half. Providence got rattled. They started turning the ball over. They couldn't run offense in that game. You or I used those turnovers like oxygen, running the ball out, uh, scoring at will on the break. Um, you know, they outscored Providence 23-5 to off turnovers in that game. I think that was the biggest stat, the biggest takeaway. Um, you know, and it was just a confluence of so many things that finally put your eye over the top against Providence in that one. 
Yeah, just I, I have two things to hit there. Number one, uh, again, I wasn't surprised by the uh, atmosphere, and I certainly give URI and especially their administration an awful lot of kudos to, to replicate that year after year, year year other year after year when Providence does go down there. But I, I just shake my head every time I leave because I know it's not going to be like that again the rest of the season, which. Dan Hurley is is he's getting frustrated and anyone who hasn't figured that out doesn't pay attention to Dan Hurley because he thinks that his program has done enough to merit that type of atmosphere if at least a few more times a season besides the Providence game and uh I think like Dan I'm a wait and see kind of guy we'll we'll see if that actually happens um anybody want to bite on that a little bit yeah no uh, Kevin I totally I absolutely like agree with you I mean it's it was it was wonderful it was big time and it just points out um, the nights when it's not like that, and that's too bad because they have a, they have a good thing going down there. They have a great young you know great young coach. He's not that young anymore, but a great coach. Um, they got it going, and this is without E. C. Matthews, who is by all accounts would have been their high scorer or or one of the top scorers. So what he's done down there is unbelievable, and it shouldn't just be every two years we come out here and try and beat Providence College. If you're going to run a big time, if you're going to have a big time program. Um, as a state, as a as a university, it can't just be waiting for like one night every two years. And you know, Dan Hurley spoke to that in the post game. He did. Uh, his quote was verbatim: "I didn't take the job so I could come be the coach here and beat Providence. I came here to win championships, get to the NCAA tournament, and be a factor in March. Beating Providence meant that it was going to help us build toward accomplishing those goals." That's somebody who's looking beyond just one game. That's somebody who, and I tweeted this out after the game, has this current list of accomplishments at URI. He's won an NCAA game. That was the first since 1998. He's made an NCAA tournament, the first since 1999. He's won an Atlantic 10 title, the first since 1999. He's beaten four ranked teams. They hadn't done that since 1998, and now he's beaten Providence. How much else does he need to do before there is complete and total buy-in, whether it be from the fan base, from donors, from whoever else? It's just been very, very impressive what he's done. And and also, um, you know, public mea culpa. Dan and I uh, actually spoke a little bit after the game out on the court, and he said, uh, you know, you shouldn't have picked against us as I did in the pick and pop last week uh, because I knew that we were going to win tonight. Um, You know, and that... Public me a culpa. Kevin McNamara was right, and I was wrong. Well, is Dan Kreskin? I mean, he can he can predict. Uh, maybe maybe he should have a Vegas account. You know, actually, his his former uh, governor Chris Christie. He's he's trying to get that through as we speak. So, you know, maybe we can go down in the corner and you know put twenty on villain over in, in future uh, future I'm, weeks. I'm all for it. <laughs> Uh, just one more thing on the game. You know, uh, the game, I, I think, was basically decided in that five- or six-minute stretch in the first half when URI clearly, as uh, Bill, you said, got into Providence defensively and turned them over. 19 points off turnovers just in the first half. And uh, the Providence uh, coaching staff, they really thought that they made a few mistakes with uh, substituting. Uh, Ed Cooley played an awful lot of guys, as he usually does, and that's been an effective tool all season long. But I think in retrospect, uh, there was a few wrong you know, lineups on the floor during those hot uh, URI streaks that led to those turnovers. And, uh, you know, Providence outplayed Rhode Island in the second half and just couldn't get over the top because of that stretch in the first. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to pick on one guy, but uh, I'll use Isaiah Jackson as an example. Played two minutes, committed two fouls, was a minus eight 
in two minutes. Uh, and that was a stretch where Rhode Island really started cooking behind Fats Russell, uh, the little guy who's the Atlantic 10 Rookie of the Week this week. He had 20 points in the game. He was a major, major factor at both ends of the floor. He played with sort of the passion, the freedom that you didn't see from Providence, and in particular from Providence's seniors in this game. Uh, Kyron Cartwright was a non-factor. He didn't score until the final minute. It was one field goal. Rodney Bullock had seven points in the first five minutes. He only had three more in this game. And Jalen Lindsay only took two shots. And, you know, realistically, when you go on the road, and especially in an environment like that at the Ryan Center, and you can only imagine Providence going to, say, Xavier, Creighton, Butler, uh, Villanova, if they play at that dungeon on campus instead of the downtown arena, um, you need those seniors to be those sort of buoys in your lineup. And when they're not, you can see how quickly it can go bad. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Providence's uh, issue was more defense than offense in that game because uh, obviously we saw it in the second half. They ended up shooting over 50%, which teams, you know, aren't supposed to do at the Ryan Center against the Rams. Um, Going to stick with the Friars here a little bit. And uh, you mentioned Kyron Cartwright. And last night when I showed up to the Brown-Providence game at the Dunkin' Donuts Center, saw the starting lineup and Kyron wasn't in it. Uh Got me thinking that maybe he, he is hurt and is slowed, and he clearly was. Uh, he ended up getting in the game late uh, on Wednesday night against Brown and was hobbling around. Uh, I couldn't tell you to what degree he was limited at Rhode Island, but uh, he certainly played limited. Uh, and, and Billy Reynolds, you've talked about it. Providence can't be good without Kyron Cartwright. No, no, absolutely. I mean, he's a, a veteran point guard. He's very talented. It seems that they play off him. They play off his energy. They play off his talent. And when he's not in the game or not playing very well, they're a very different team. And we saw it against Rhode Island, obviously. We saw it last night with Providence and Brown. Um, when, he's, when he's not there, they are different. No question about it. And, you know, uh, Bill, we talked about it before the game, and this is not a a strong Brown team. They they have some good young players. I think Mike Martin's done a pretty good job recruiting the last couple years in his freshman and sophomore class to to make uh, his team dangerous. But uh, I, I think we were both, you know, shocked if you're Providence and pleasantly surprised if you're Brown that the game played out the way it did. Oh, without question. Without question. I think Brown should be thrilled. Um, it was just what you said, Kevin. They have some They have some quality young players. The kid Anderson played extremely well, handled the pressure, handled everything. Um, it's a game they needed, but it's also another game that pointed out that I don't know whether the loss to Rhode Island was... Um, the kind of ramifications that has on a Providence team. But, but but last night, they did not look like a quality team, basically, uh, at, at all. And I don't know how much it is, if it's, um, you know, Cartwright not being 100%, whatever it is. But they, they, they've now had, I think, two very kind of subpar games in a row. Well, they, they have had some strange ones at home now. I mean, you're talking about a uh, you know last-second win over Belmont, a four-point win over Ryder. You know, now your life and death with Brown into overtime. Um, you know, and this is definitely a Brown team who, as Mike Martin said before the start of the year, he feels like they're much more athletic. And I think they matched up better with Providence. You could see Desmond Cambridge in this game. Wasn't necessarily efficient shooting it, but he did have 19 points uh, to tie Brandon Anderson for team high. Uh, and you could see that Brown was capable of doing a lot more things things in the perimeter than, than maybe they were against Rhode Island. I know, you know Mike Martin wasn't particularly pleased with the way his team showed in that game, and, and then to lose Central Connecticut after that I think was disappointing for them. And I feel like they would do for a good performance, and we saw one. Uh, you know, Providence was lucky to escape from the 
this game. Um, you know, but you're going to look back on it at the end of the year, and if Providence has a season that we think that they're going to have, uh, which I think is going to be another NCAA tournament season, you'll look back and say, well, you know, yeah, those were close calls, but they ultimately were wins, and, and we got some things out of them that we can correct. Well, uh, I thought Ed Cooley was very revealing after the game last night. I put a few of his highlight quotes in my game story, but uh, he, his number one takeaway was, we won the game. And at this stage, Providence is so fortunate because they easily could have lost to Brown, Belmont, and Ryder. Uh, three by games, all at home, games you need, need, need to win, and they've won all three. That said, at 7-2, and two, this is not a good basketball team right now. Uh, the the uh, one more game uh, on the road at Massachusetts on Saturday and then an exam break that is absolutely vital for this team to, number one, get healthy, and number two, to find some type of identity. And that's really what Cooley said after the Brown game is uh, we're just in a bad way right now. We, we don't have an identity. Uh, I, I, couldn't pinpoint, I could pinpoint a few reasons, but uh, the takeaway reason, not really sure what the deal is. You know, uh, Bill, you've seen them enough. I don't know if they're going to be like a really good defensive team. Uh, I don't know that they're going to be an explosive offensive team. Uh, they have shown a lot of depth, and yet last night, uh, Brown's bench, uh, you can say outplayed them, but it was 18-18 to 18 off the bench. Uh, it, it, it's a team that just, again, doesn't have an identity, and uh, that, that's not what you want with the Big East three weeks away. No, uh, they have the same number of rebounds as Brown. You would think that, that Providence, being the Big East team, would have the bigger, more physical front line. Uh, that didn't necessarily play itself out. Um, you know, you would also look at Brown and say that they turn it over a lot, and Providence had a big advantage there. They outscored Brown 27-9 to off turnovers. That's probably the difference in the game. Um, you know, but you look at the Friars. They shot the ball very well early on this season. Last night, they were 5 for 21 from 3. 33% in the first half. Right, which means that offense isn't coming easy. Uh, you know, so what do you do defensively? Well, Brown shot 48% in the first half, so they weren't locking up there either. Eventually, I think finally when the game set in and, and they realized, hey, we're really in trouble here, Brown didn't have a field goal in the overtime. I think if you look at that, you say that's the kind of desperation that Providence needs to play with, and I don't know if we've necessarily seen that start to finish for 40 minutes in a game. No, we. Well, I'd say we probably saw it uh, to some degree uh, against St. Louis, which was the domination. Uh, Boston College, we didn't see it because BC started you know, pretty well. Uh, I think you have to play desperate when you walk into the Ryan Center, and obviously things just aren't going to go your way. But last night they showed up sleepwalking. Uh, Brown showed up like it's uh, you know they're going up uh, Bunker Hill, and uh, that's how the first place. Now also you know there is a proviso there because they didn't have Kyron Cartwright to start the game, and I think Ed Cooley entered that game saying. Kyron's not going to play. I'm going to give him the night off. I'm going to play Makai, Ashton Langford at point guard. Let's see how things go. Well, things went the other way. I mean, that's that's the exact opposite the way he hoped it uh, would play out. You know, Ed Cooley has broached this topic a, a couple of times, the notion of grit uh, on his team and whether or not they're gritty enough, tough enough. You mentioned the St. Louis game. When you go 9 for 10 from three-point range, you're going to beat up a lot of teams in, in my mind. You make shots, you always look good. Um, but this team previously... I think Ed's best teams, 
you know, especially when they played that long two-three zone. They they took other teams out of what they wanted to do. Um, you know, defensively they were very good. They they were sort of you know a little sticky, a little difficult to play against. Uh, you know, and this year at times maybe they haven't quite been that. Uh, you know, now whether that's because they're turning the ball over more and allowing teams to run it out like they did against Rhode Island, that's a problem. Um, you know, but in the half court last night, you could say that Brown got some decent looks, and, and Brown isn't necessarily the most talented team that they're going to play against this year. And, and for me, I just think, you know, consistently, and maybe this is because I watch URI all the time, and they're so good at that end of the floor, but I think consistently, night in and night out, if you defend to your maximum, you're going to have a better chance of winning than if you're going to rely on shots falling. Uh, no question. And, and, you know, again, Providence has been wildly inconsistent on the defensive end. Uh, offensively, to their credit, they've shot the ball well pretty much all season, but uh, didn't happen last night. Again, no Cartwright. Uh, I think a really dangerous game is Saturday at UMass. UMass has uh, gotten off to, I guess, probably the start you'd expect. You know, UMass is not picked to be very good. They have a first-year coach. In a, is it Matt McCall? Matt McCall from Chattanooga, yes. Yeah, and... Um, you know, this is their biggest home game uh, of the early season. They, they've they got by Holy Cross last night, have beaten a few decent teams. Uh, um, but anytime they've played anyone, you know, pretty real, they've lost. Uh, and then Providence, if Providence goes up there without Kyron Cartwright, without Alpha Diallo, who, who rolled his ankle pr- pretty badly uh, last night, and uh, I'd be shocked. Um, I'm waiting for some word today or tomorrow on the status of Malik White. Unfortunately, it looked like he had a potentially major uh, knee injury and uh, fear that that could be long-term. But uh, if by chance they go up there with all three of those guys not around, they're an underdog in my mind. So that's a very dangerous game for Providence on Saturday. Uh, the one thing that UMass does do you know, reasonably well is defend. Uh, teams only shoot 30% from three against them. That's 50th in the country. Um, they're in the top 100 in Kempom in terms of points allowed per 100 perse- uh, possessions, which isn't that bad, and they terminate possessions pretty well. Uh, your offensive rebound percentage against isn't that great. That's a long way of saying that if Providence doesn't make shots – seems pretty elementary but it could be a long night in in Amherst they have uh they lost to BYU by two uh BYU is a decent team they lost to South Carolina by six uh in a road game that's also a decent team uh the other thing that you see under a first year coach and and I remember seeing this under Dan Hurley is you know obviously undermanned but those guys are playing for their futures whether it be their roles later in the season their roles the next season uh you know their roles when the new recruits come in and and you know, Matt McCall's able to bring quote unquote his guys into the program. You're you're playing for your future playing time and that tends to bring a certain level of desperation and, and like I said earlier, I don't know if we've seen that level from Providence just yet and, and I think they're gonna be they're gonna be challenged to match that against UMass on Saturday. Uh, lastly, on the Friars, uh, they've actually played much, much better away from the Dunkin' Donuts Center than uh, at home, which is odd. Uh, actually, I thought that that was the case last year as well. Not quite sure why that's the case, but uh, certainly that's a trend that Ed Cooley would hope to see uh, stays alive up at uh, the Mullen Center on Saturday. Uh, Bill, I, I obviously did not get a chance to see the Rhode Island game uh, against Alabama, 68-64 Alabama win. Uh, did follow it online, and Alabama uh, 
basically had control of the game from, from soup to nuts. And Rhode Island, to their credit, really made quite a push in the last six, seven minutes. Got it to tie. Um, and then just couldn't close the door down the stretch, which would have been just a really, really huge road win for the Rams. Just a few takeaways from that game. Uh, well, Rhode Island never let in this one. Um, you know, they, they struggled from the start offensively. 25 for 71 from the field. Uh, you know, 18 for 48 from two. Alabama's length, uh, particularly on the perimeter, you're playing multiple guys who are 6'5", 6'5", 6'7", really bothered URI from the field. Um, you know, it, one, one major stat was uh, it's the 16th time in a true road game Uriah shot less than 40% under Dan Hurley. They've only won one of those, and that was in 2014-15 against Duquesne. Uh, that Duquesne team finished seven games under 500. They were not a good team. Uh, <laughs> also, the long way of saying that you just need to be a little better at that end of the floor. You could see that Alabama was similar to URI defensively last year uh, in the standpoint that they block a lot of shots. They alter a lot of shots at the rim and, and you know Rhode Island could get into the paint but they weren't necessarily finishing strong at the rim. They, they just had a difficult time at that end. Um, they had a difficult time with Alabama's size and, and realistically Alabama looked like the sort of SEC Power 5 team that, that you would expect to see on paper. Well and that's why they call it a true road game. You know th- those are the toughest uh, games to win in college basketball. Uh, that's why these teams buy as many games as they can. You're supposed to win home games uh, and Alabama, to their credit, uh, got it done. Uh, two takeaways that I have. Number one, they finally missed E.C. Matthews. You know, when you shoot 35%, you, you need someone to score the ball uh, against, uh, you know, that high-level size, and that's what an E.C. Matthews can do. They certainly need uh, Cyril Langevin to, to get healthy. Uh, you know, he was limited to 16 minutes. And then the third thing, I, I'd love – I'm going to give you a little little uh, task, Bill, during the uh, exam break. Uh, I want – a list of number of fouls and free throws taken by the opponent whenever URI goes into the next area code. Because I think in the East, the referees know Dan Hurley, know how he operates, know how his team plays. They don't know that, certainly in, in Alabama or in uh, St. Louis or when they go to the West Coast. And sure enough, uh, Rhode Island could call for 29 fouls uh, to only 16 for Alabama. Alabama shot 39 free throws to 11 for Rhode Island. That seems to happen a lot when, when they venture far away from home. Previous true road game this year at Nevada. Uh, Nevada attempted 44 free throws. URI attempted 18. Huh. Uh, you know, so to your point, the NCAA tournament game uh, last year against Oregon. Against Oregon, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, you know, as we know, and we've talked about before, uh, URI is hack and whack out there. That's that's how they play. They're very intense. They're very physical. They get in your face. Uh, you know, and that does come with a cost. Now, whether or not they're they're officiated unfairly, uh, you know, in these road venues, I would say that a lot of teams who play road games end up on the short end of the sure stick, not just them. Uh, that's, that's the nature of the beast. That's why you have a big crowd. That's why the crowd rides the referees from start to finish. You get whistles. There have been books written about it. Um, you know, but for me, this game was as much about not being able to finish at the rim, missing E.C. Matthews, as you said. That's an extra six-foot-five guy who could play with a little bit of size, um, you know, and really just not taking a chance that you had. Now, with with all that said, you know, I think Rhode Island is right where they should be at five and three. They've got two top fifty wins already against Seton Hall and Providence. 
And I think this would have been a little bit of a bonus going into your last three non-conference home games. You have the exam break. You come back on the 16th, and then you play Charleston, Iona, and Florida Gulf Coast. No reason why you can't win those three. End up at 8-3 and three with a top 50 RPI going into the A-10. I think they're right on schedule for another run into March. Okay, I'm going to throw one fly in the ointment before we wrap up here. Sure. Uh, Providence is no top 50 RPI team. They, they may be today. If you look at their schedule, they're going to end up outside the top 50 heading into Big East play. Uh, certainly by the end of the year, they could get back into the top 50. Uh, say they don't. Rhode Island has one top 50 win uh, through what was a really rigorous non-conference schedule. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is it's just a shame that they didn't beat Virginia, didn't beat Alabama, uh, you know, ha- have a few losses that they'd, they'd like to have won because I don't know if Providence is going to deliver uh, the bang for the buck that, uh, you know, Ram fans would have loved to see. I, I think I get a little more faith in Providence than you do. I think they'll sneak out a few of these. The, the quality of the schedule is so good that they're going to be able to sneak a few of these at home. Uh, you know, you're looking at Xavier coming in here. They're 20. Butler is 30. Um you know, Villanova is five. Seton Hall is eighteen. St. John's is nineteen. Those are current RPIs. Providence could win two or three of those games and, and keep themselves in the fifties. You sure about in the forties? They, they can win three of those games. I think they can win two or three of those games. Sure. Okay. Well, St. John's, Kevin, come on, St. John's. It's just the fresh memory of uh, overtime against Brown and last second against Belmont and barely against Ryder uh, is fresh in my mind. We're at, we're a third of the way through. No one really knows who their team is. You're about to go to Foxborough right now, and you'll hear Coach Belichick talk about how you don't really know who you're going to be until about the midpoint. If we had sat here on February... You know, ninth or 10th last year, none of us would have had URI as an NCAA team, certainly not after they lost to Fordham. True. Um, you know, so this still has a long way to go. In terms of where both teams are at right now, they're still both in good position. Yeah, I think Providence is really fortunate that, again, the exam break is coming up and they have some time to get things right and uh, get ready for the Big East. And uh, as for the Rams, protect their home court, which I think uh, they will do. And they will enter the Atlantic 10 as the, uh, as the preseason favorite, as they should be. They've, they've certainly shown enough here in the non-conference. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, fans, we will be back next week. Uh, actually, next week could be a problem because of exams. But uh, because uh, Bill's going to take algebra, I'm going to stick with, uh, how about biology? Maybe, maybe we'll do some end-of-semester grades next week. Oh. How about that? Well, we'll see. I, I, I could be with uh, deep into Belichick mode next week. But uh, before Christmas, we will definitely be, uh, be picking and popping one more time. No question. Thanks very much. This podcast is a production of the Providence Journal. Online at ProvidenceJournal.com.